Hey, Amber, how are you today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm really good. I appreciate you for, you know, doing this episode with me. I know you have a lot of things going on creatively and, you know, professionally, but, you know, I knew that you would be the perfect person to speak to um, on this topic because I know you're a fan of uh, the person we're going to mention as well. Oh, yes. I am a fan of her work. Well, mostly her older work. We'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, to the listeners, if you're not sure who we're talking about, um, in, uh, in about a week or so, in June, it'll be the 20th anniversary of uh, Alicia Keys' debut album, Songs in A Minor. Um, and she recently did her Billboards, I think it was a Billboards um, Awards, where she uh, did a rendition of, you know, two or three of her or uh, like premiere songs off the album um and we're just gonna hit, sit here today and talk about the importance of the album um and like i said i know you're a fan of it i know when the book came out you and i had some conversation about the book and mm-hmm. you know what it what we liked about it what we didn't like about it and i've seen you do different covers of her songs if i'm not mistaken yeah a little bit a little i try <laughs> <laughs> i saw you playing with the keys yeah <laughs> So, you know, Alicia kind of, I'm not going to say she started that trend. I don't want to go that far, but Mm -hmm. it was just really creative and genius the way she was able to blend her, you know, her piano skills with her writing skills and just make a a hell of a debut statement. I really think, you know, her album changed a lot of things in music and her career changed a lot of things in music. And, you know, we wouldn't have, I don't think music would be where it is now without her debut album, so... Oh, get... yeah, especially for people that are in our age bracket, because Definitely. you have to remember, okay, in 2001, when her album debuted, I think I was in fifth grade, <laughs> I was 10, Yes. and I remember it like yesterday, and the way people consume music now is totally different, but um, she came out the gate, like, who is that? Yes. You know, he was one of those people because you got to remember this was the time of the video vixens and the rappers and the yachts and the bling bling era, that time period. So to listen to Alicia Keys, it was just like a breath of fresh air. I'm not knocking anyone that likes those different genres, but it was just different. No, it's I just agree. Out. I agree. And, you know, I was I was 12, so I wasn't much older than you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was in the, I was loving rap. You know, that's when I really started to really, really like rap and delve into it. And even in an R&B sense, you know, R&B was in a funny place. And mm-hmm. when she dropped that album, man, it just changed everything. I, I remember how big Fallen was when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the, the little girl that got on Good Morning America and sung oh Fallen. <laughs> That was like the most played song of that that year, I think. I overplayed to the point where I did not like Fallen. (laughs) I liked it when I first heard it, but it was like every time you turn on the radio, every time you turn to 106 and Park, TRL, Rap City, Midnight Love, it was just Alicia over and over again and to the point where I was like, okay, she got to have some other songs. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? That that song is, I'm going to forever like that song. I put the video is what I'm going to always remember. The mm-hmm. braids, you know, her makeup. I'm going to remember the all black. Uh, and I'm going to remember that scene when she was coming to visit the dude in prison. And, you know, you see the brothers behind the bars and everything. I was like, man, she she put all that emotion into one song to where you just felt it 
when you were watching it at home on 106 Apart, you're like, man, this woman is talented. And she wasn't even like 21 yet. Right. And I think for those who may or may not know, Alicia also has a autobiography called More Myself. Yes. And it's also an audio book where she is the narrator. So listening to songs in a minor knowing about that and then listening to the biography of alicia keys about like the start of the album and how long Mm -hmm. it took her to finally have a published debut album on a major record label says a lot because she's been working on it since she was like 14. exactly you know and that was one of the best things that got me through the pandemic listening to her audiobook last year and Mm -hmm. When you realize how young she was and how she just always was in older spaces trying to kind of make herself look older or appear older to be there, you just kind of realize like she just had like a certain gravity about her and mm-hmm. that spoke through her music. But even as time to that she was, like you said, it took it took Clive and it took other people really kind of investing and believing in her for her vision to come to fruition, you know? Yeah, especially in a music industry where you got to remember, like I said before, in 2000, 2001, it was all about the video girls. Mm -hmm. And Alicia was like the complete opposite. She had her like tomboy chic, you know, she was kind of like, this is, this is right. This, see, this album came out at a pivotal time because this year, that year, 2001, it was like everybody who was anybody had an album that came out. She was up against India Ari, Aaliyah, Janet Jackson, Man. the pop girls, Christina Aguilera, and Britney Spears. It was a different time period where, like, everybody was on the charts for weeks. And I just think that she stood out, and whoever was her publicist or the image that they wanted her to wear, you know, in the book she talks about she didn't like certain things, she didn't want to wear certain things, but she knew that I have sell an album I have to promote and I still like that she kept her New York style even though she was trying to be like not not mainstream but you have to be sellable in the industry definitely she still she kind of paid homage to Stevie Wonder and Patrice Russian with her cornrows and that was a cultural reset style-wise because everybody has a little Allen Iverson braids. <laughs> Don't hate on the braids by AI. You know, braids been around for centuries. We know that. But I feel like when she rocked the zigzag braids with the beads at the end, every girl was like, I want that hairstyle like Alicia Keys in that uh, Fallen video or whatever. They did. They did. And, and you know, <laughs> with the in reference to that tomboy chic, she was able to be very pretty, but mm-hmm. looked very tough. And I think people got so caught up in her image that I think they got a little, they forgot her music. You know, mm-hmm. I think the aesthetic took everybody off guard. You know, there were so many questions about how hard she looked in the beginning. And I think, you know, when you look at her background in Hell's Kitchen, how she grew up in her family structure, she had been kind of used to being tougher than she may have wanted to for a mm-hmm. long time. You know, and we, you know, when she was transparent about her struggles with her father, a lot of that made sense as far as the the messages in her music and how she, you know, presented herself to the world. She was protecting herself. Um, but, you know, I think that's the thing that makes songs in A minor so good, because, like you said, you could tell the work and the effort that she put in. 
but also the risk she took. You know, she walked away from well, what university was that? Was it was it um, Columbia? Columbia, yeah. She walked away from Columbia, you know, and chased her dream. And, you know, even though she had gotten signed, that still didn't guarantee that that album was going to come out. Like I said, it took Clive finally, you know, really investing in her and them, them forcing her to change parts of herself to be able to get that album to where it was, to make it what it was. Most definitely. I also saw it as we can't talk about the songs in a minor album without mentioning the perry crucial oh yes yeah. so we were gonna get to them we um, got to <laughs> it's something about some people just have chemistry they when do. it comes to creating art and they were romantically involved despite her being underage that's yeah, a whole other yeah, topic that is. but um i guess with her mom's permission it was okay. I don't know. Alicia well, didn't. You know, know, he didn't know for a long time how old she was, no. though. Right. I was like, oh, she put all of this in this book? What? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you, know, you know, nowadays uh, with the whole Me Too movement and everything, I was like, uh, is he going to go to jail? Because he said that she was like 14, 15. He was grown. Yeah. He didn't know how old she was, but Still, that just, it's just crazy, like, the industry for the young Black artists, like the, I hate to say it, like the Aaliyahs, like the teenage groups, a lot was happening. It was, and, and that's why I think, you know, on a separate note, it's why you have to give credit to, like, a Matthew Knowles and a Tina Knowles for protecting mm -hmm. their daughters and mm -hmm. their daughter, the friends of the daughters, because, like I said, this industry is, it's a, you know, it's a business, and people's jobs is to get outcomes not to care about how people are in the process so you know you definitely have to give credit to that um but you know i think the other thing about it when you listen to their music you could tell i don't know it's funny how they downplayed their relationship for years but when i listen to those right. like those first two albums i'm like this is clearly influenced like you know this is clearly an extension of you all's relationship which makes the album great you know right and i think that you know artists evolve um i know people don't always stay in the same genre or they don't want to be categorized in the genre because they feel like they express themselves through so many different lanes but those first two albums like songs in a minor and diary, diary yeah. i feel like they were true r&b albums That's it wasn't about point. trying to be crossover or pop no offense to people that want to get into those genres but this was a time when it was like soul and it wasn't anything wrong with you wanting to have an r&b album i agree you know? And, you know, the fact that she released this in the midst of the neo-soul era and didn't feel compelled to, you know, ride that wave, I think that's a, I think that's also a testament to why she was successful. Mm -hmm. uh, she was herself. And, you know, I, I tell people, like I said, playing the piano isn't novel. It isn't new. But she was able to make music and take her skill set and just she was just very innovative in how she delivered it. You know, and that song's in A minor. It's a certain rawness to it that you just won't be able to get. I, You know, Diary is my favorite Alicia Keys album. Mm -hmm. But the rawness of that song's in A minor is just unmatched. And the thing about it is, as a former musician, I played violin and piano when I was younger. And one thing that stood out about Alicia Keys is that 
we don't necessarily see black women and men mm-hmm. in classical music exactly. sometimes. Um, we might be the innovators and the creators, but as far as like, remember in Drumline, he couldn't read music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of black people play by ear. I'm yep. not, I can't speak for all, but it's a gift when you are able to not only play by ear, but you can read sheet music because that's international. Like you can put anybody who speaks any language in front of the sheet music and they will know how to play for that particular instrument. And I just thought that her naming the album Songs in A Minor was clever. It was kind of like an ode to Stevie Wonder's, you know, Songs in the Key of Life. Mm-hmm. But A minor, if you are a musician or you played an instrument before, took a music class, A minor is kind of like the more sad notes of a mm-hmm. song. Mm-hmm. Where A major, you know, songs that are in major, they sound upbeat and happy. And then like A minor is like in your feelings type of songs. That's the way I can kind of describe it. So I appreciate you giving that analogy because I didn't think about that. Yeah. So the only song that is like really written in A minor is a song called Jane Doe, which was written by Candy from Escape. Yeah. And um, the way the song is arranged, the, the beat is kind of like downtrodden, but upbeat at the same time. And I thought that having that contrast in the album was like true to what Alicia wanted to do. She wanted to be raw and real. That's the minor part. Mm -hmm. And then the major part is like, okay, I am worth it. You know, you know, all those kind of songs like that. So I just thought, the play on words or the naming of the albums interesting you know and i think the way that you are able to frame that for people is going to help people to look at it differently because i, I tell people you know you to understand albums that i think albums had concepts mm-hmm. on a large scale back in the earlier days i don't think albums have concepts anymore there's right. not they're not really cohesive so like when you listen to a voodoo by like a d'angelo or i'll give that as an example you listen to every song and it's like this has a purpose a message it all ties into the title and you know it's important to understand that so if you understand the significance of keys and minor and major like you just explained it 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 just frames the album it makes sense when you listen to some of your favorite songs on there like oh man the the melody was this way so right and i never paid attention to that until i got a little bit older and started learning about music a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it was like a little light bulb went off in my head. <laughs> and I was like, let me re-listen to this. Because when you listen to something at 10, 11, 12. You don't get it. You just like, oh, I like the beat. Or That's it. <laughs> it's different when you're older, you've been through some things, or you've witnessed other people go through some things. And it's like, oh, wow. It's just a totally different um, outlook on an album. I agree. And I I think that's the, I tell, you know, I was telling a group of students, I was like, look, music is supposed to make you think. I said, it's okay to, to feel that's important, you know, but music should make you think, you know, Lauren Hill said, you know, music's supposed to inspire. How come we not getting any higher? Like when you listen to it, it's supposed to make you, you know, feel something beyond just a carnal of, I'm going to, you know, you know, do, you know what I'm saying. You know yeah, what I mean? Now, now it's like, um, 
we don't have feelings. It's, well, we got <laughs> one feeling. It, it ain't really a feeling. <laughs> it's not really a feeling. Or everybody's trying to be like a trap R and B, like skirt skirt. Yeah, <laughs> like, and, and, what is this? And it's this like not. only certain people can do it. And and you know, I think this is where you have like levels. Like a, yeah. a black black can do a trap R and B in a way to where it's, it's truer to R and B, but not mm-hmm. everybody's black. You know, so some people, or not everybody's Bryson Tiller, or you know, so, but I just, I think that's the thing I miss the most. When you listen to music like that, it puts you in a time space. I remember, like you said, I remember watching it on 106 in Park. I remember when A Woman's Work came on 106 and it was number one and they were like, oh man, you know, I remember those days. And she inspired a generation because I'm trying to think of who reminds me so much her? of a young Alicia? Yes. Her. <laughs> and her, AKA Gabby, she Yay. goes by the name, her. But when she was like 10 years old, she was on a Good Morning show or something like that. Mm-hmm. And she was singing Alicia Keys. Mm-hmm. And then it's like a full circle moment because she got to perform with Alicia Keys at one of these like benefit concerts. Yes. And they did a rendition of Aerosmith's Dream On. And it was everything because it was kind of like you could see the mentor and the mentee come together and it wasn't on some diva stuff. It was like, you are like me, but better. Like it was yep. it was a good moment to see that between two um, black women who are in the industry. Yeah, I agree. And I also think it's powerful to see two black women playing that guitar, playing a rock melody. And they, they both are so mu- musically gifted. You know, when I look at her, I'm like, that girl can play, you know, she can sing, she can play piano, play the guitar, mm-hmm. she can do all of it. You know, and when you listen to her music, you know, the fact she hasn't dropped a debut album, I'm just going to keep saying that. What she did when she dropped that Her project, that first project, I was like, wow. So, you know, I, I think Alicia Keys inspired a generation of, of you know, artists to come after her. And she always finds a way to throw an anthem at you, you know, Girl on Fire or Underdog or something. Even if you maybe, you know, even her newest project, it has some stuff on there. And I'm like, you know, what? I, I just like her energy. I'm, I'm waiting on the Swiss Beats book, too. I need a Swiss Beats by <laughs> audio, audio book, too. But I like, uh, I like her story. And even watching her do the medley of the, like, three songs on the recent Billboard Music Awards, it was just like you see how classy and graceful mm-hmm. she can be mm-hmm. and i don't think everybody has that it factor and i think that's why she might have been the perfect person to host the grammys yes for that um kobe pass yes because she did a great you know job. i don't everybody may not care for alicia's image or personality she's not for everyone but she's confident in who she is and yes. i think that she had like a peaceful grace to her to deliver the the acceptance or the you know MC for that night now I didn't care for every outfit and I don't like every song of hers Mm -hmm. but I respect her artistry and her playing the piano two pianos on stage at one time it's crazy who else who else is doing that besides the lady she was paying homage to you know exactly exactly I don't think people understand talent anymore mm. um 
because there's a difference. You have people that are amazing songwriters, and then you have people that can compose a song, and then you have some people can write. Like I think about Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Oh, they're a hell of a writer. They're, they're the legendary writers. They got a whole versus. They need to be the next versus, but um, <laughs> their whole catalog is crazy, and they don't they don't necessarily sing. No, it's all behind the scenes, and I just think that when people can understand what all that goes into making a song. There, um, Victoria Monet, oh, she's written so many songs for Ariana Grande and so many other artists. And she's super talented. Her, I love her. And music. I'm like, girl, you better save some songs for yourself. <laughs> like, <laughs> that last album, that Jaguar album was pretty tough, I thought. And I'm thinking about all the songs that didn't make it on the album. Mm. Or, 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 or the like, how does she go from which song do I want to keep for me and which song do I want to give to everybody else? Because no, when you have point. a gift like that, and even Alicia, she wrote a song, Million Dollar Bill, for Whitney Houston. When Whitney Houston sings a song that you wrote, <laughs> you're you're gone. It's gone. It's out of there. You are, you've made it. You and know. when Prince, when Prince, I was just about to up, say it. <laughs> when you are like nine months pregnant on the purple piano, belting your heart out, and Prince stands up, and it's like I'm. She was co-signed by the greats. And and you got to think, you know, because I make the comparison in this sense. Prince doesn't embrace everybody. Prince embraced Alicia Keys, and he embraced, embraced Janelle Monae. He might have embraced her, too, I think. But I know Alicia Keys and Janelle Monae. And when you look at their music, the first thing I think is consummate performers, mm-hmm. writers, but musical, or they make musical experiences, even if they don't, even if they don't produce it. When I used to listen to, you know, Janelle's work, even before Arch Android, I was like, man, this is like this is like something I haven't heard before. And I know people might say, you know, she was influenced by Betty Davis and others, and I'm not denying that. But when you hear their music, you were like, wow, this is not something everybody can do. People can make catchy songs, mm-hmm. but to be able to make a whole musical experience, to be able to perform it, play the instruments, that's just different. So I have a quick question. Mm-hmm. What are your standout songs on her debut <laughs> album? Man, I'm glad you you asked me that. I was I was re-listening to it before we talked. Um, that might have to be on my my ride to work playlist um, <laughs> tomorrow. But um, you know, it's it was hard to pick five. But I will I will tell you my five. Mm-hmm. Then I want to hear your five, and then I'll tell you why. And I I want to okay. hear why you picked yours. Um, okay. But if I had to pick five, uh, in no particular order, uh, Girlfriend is one. My sister just played that song so much to where I think it got embedded in my mind. <laughs> uh, she used to just be walking around the house singing the hook. And I didn't get the significance of it until I got older. And I was like, oh, I really like this song. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it just touched some things. Like, oh, man. So look at women admitting this. Um, but okay, uh, Girlfriends definitely is one. Uh, falling, of course. Uh, I can't, I can't not put a woman's worth in there. Um, so mm-hmm. that only leaves two. And if I had to pick two, then it's gonna be the life, and it's gonna probably be uh troubles. I was gonna pick uh Jane Doe, but mm-hmm. the life and troubles. When you hear both of those, it's like ah, I couldn't, I couldn't. I couldn't put Jane Doe just in there. I don't think it's better than those two, but it is a great song. But 
those five are probably the ones I picked. Um, and I and I like the album. I like How Come You Don't Call Me is, was always a cool record to me. You know, it just it wasn't the one that stood out to me the most. But uh, Girlfriend, Fallen, A Woman's Worth, those were all just certified bangers. The Life, that was basically her just talking about her struggle to get to where she was. The same with Troubles. And, you know, when she talks about that pain, she does it in a way to where, to me, it was like glorified but heartfelt, you know. So those are my five. So, oh, wow. What okay. about you? Mine is going to seem super random because they put you in totally different moods. Okay, go ahead. Okay, Butterflies. Okay, I remember yeah. I heard that on the Drumline soundtrack. Shout out to Drumline. I was going to mention that. That's where we got it from. That, that song, that's what it was, Butterflies Remix. Okay. Anyway, I like that song. And it was, I don't know, maybe because I was like middle school when I mean, you start like liking boys or crushes <laughs> or whatnot. That song stood out to me. Another song was Troubles. Mm. Now, the way that the the way the song is played, because I'm I'm just list I just remember listening to it. I was like, this sounds really sad, and I'm like, duh, because it is. Like, <laughs> but the point is, she was being vulnerable yes. on a track, and she was saying, "Dear Lord, can you take this away?" I was like, what is going on with her? Like. <laughs> I didn't, it, I, it didn't register with me in my happy-go-lucky, you know, pop world. <laughs> but I was just like, as I got older, I was like, oh, this hits different. Not understanding. Mm-hmm. And uh, another song that stood out is Loving You. Mm. Now, this stood out to me because it sounds a little bit like Aretha's Natural Woman, the chords, okay. the way it's played. It kind of puts you in that kind of mind, and I forget that you know she worked with Clive Davis, exactly. and I can feel his influence on that particular track. Exactly. So that stood out to me. Another song played. I did Troubles. I did Butterflies. Um, Loving you. I have like a woman's worth. That song stood out to me because, like I said, I was tired of falling. <laughs> 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 I was like everybody was trying to sing it at talent shows and stuff and I was like, nah, this is not for you, boo. But um <laughs> Oh, don't do them like that. Don't crush their dreams. Not everybody could hit that note. You right but though. Sometimes she can't hit that note, but that's another topic. Yeah. Oh, you ain't doing like that. It's truthful, but dang. It's it's just that you have to be in a certain space to like I don't know. Everybody's not hitting their notes like they used to no more to me. Nah, that's but, true. But I really liked A Woman's Worth, and it makes you think about the L'Oreal commercial. I think oh, that's where wow. she got it from. Because you're worth it. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Who would have thought to put that in a song and, like, you know, make a millions of dollars off of that? So that's the fourth song. And then the fifth song would have to be Girlfriend because it samples ODB's uh, Brooklyn Zoo. What, 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 what? Yeah, the beat is... And then Jermaine Dupree, um, he helped produce it. it. And uh, it was just more of an upbeat song on the album. Like, everything was a ballad, but this was kind of up-tempo. And she was being truthful in her truth. (laughs) 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 
And I find it funny because a lot of people stopped liking Alicia Keys due to how her relationship alleged allegations of how it started with producer Swiss Beats. A lot of people are like, oh, I'm not listening to Alicia Keys no more because she's a homewrecker. She's this, she's that. And I just have a totally different perspective because we don't know these people in real life. Exactly. And, you know, this has always been my stance. Mm-hmm. It is up to the person who is with the person to explain the nature of that relationship and end the nature of that relationship. That doesn't remove, you know, from what we see, because I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I'm not removing Alicia from the situation. We don't know the situation, but I will say, you know, ultimately, Swiss was married to Mashonda. If, if, you know, Mm -hmm. if he said they weren't together and he chose to pursue something different, that's what he chose to do. That's not a fault of her because she may not have known the nature of it. We just won't know. But I think the thing about... It's messy. It is. It but, is. Well, but you know, they, they make it work now. I was now about to say, they got a book. Blended families and yes. writing books about it. So, hey, that works for them. But, hey, everybody ain't able. <laughs> no, no, I can't. And I can't say, you know, the one thing that struck me about the book was when she eventually got to the point well, she seems to be in a place where she's very much able to assert herself without being disrespectful, which is something mm-hmm. I, I admire. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what I think it is with that situation. I think she asserts herself, and but she's not disrespectful, which I, I think is a that's one of the things I like the most from listening to the book. I like someone who can say, hey, I'm not trying to hurt you, but you, I'm not going to allow you to hurt me or disrespect me. And when she came in the industry young, she had to learn to find her voice and assert herself, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also that's why I like the girlfriend songs, because it's, it's simple, but it's kind of funny. It's, she's just a girl that is your friend. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's very simple, but they talking on the phone and you feeling the way. I'm like, oh, this is really deep. <laughs> And same thing, it was kind of like a contrast from like Usher's You Make Me Wanna. It was like uh, the girl version of that. I could see that. You kind of think of it that way. I could see that. Speaking of Usher, like Usher and Alicia Keys, My Boo, that was like yeah. a number one song. Her features, even with Jay Z, um, New Empire State of Mind, as well as with Eve, Rock With You. Like, yeah, that was a classic. Those, those songs are standout songs to me. And reading the book more myself the autobiography of Alicia Keys I noticed that there was a chapter where she said her manager was not one of her managers or somebody in her camp was not telling her that Jay-Z wanted to work with her yeah yeah I remember she mentioned that I was like that's messed up and I'm glad she got rid of whoever was not relaying those messages to her because they wouldn't have had like the number one song on the charts. Like Lil Mama didn't go on the VMA stage for nothing. Oh, you <laughs> dirty. You dirty. Like um, everybody, everybody was saying New York and like we in the South. Exactly. And that song was everywhere. So I just thought that that was like a, a weird moment. Like what is for you is for you ultimately. You know because what? I- Oh, Even though God. someone tried to block her, it still happened. Definitely. You know, and the thing I was going to add to what you just said, it wouldn't have happened for Alicia, but that was Jay-Z's first record where he, he got the Grammy. Or not the Grammy. That was his first number one record. He wouldn't have had a number one without Alicia Keys. Mm, you know, wow. you got to think about how long he had been making music. I want to say it was either his... Yeah, I think that was his first... 
number one, like not not necessarily rap, but just Billboard 100. And you got to think, it took that song to be the one to do it. Um, but it was just an iconic song. It, it's, you know, to take a take Frank Sinatra, flip it and make it what it is. Yeah, that's Frank Sinatra. But to yeah. get, take that and make it that, you know, only that's the, I, Yeah, that's the New York anthem. Like people that don't even know who Frank Sinatra is, when they think of an anthem or a song for New York, they think about that. Or when think, people think about Georgia, they think about Ray Charles, Georgia on my mind, or Welcome exactly. to Atlanta with Jermaine Dupree and exactly. Ludacris and everybody. So those are like regional songs, but they ultimately got national appeal. So he's he's written a lot. Like Oh, I gotta I, I gotta ask you something though. What's up? So you know about the historic run she went on with this album, but it was mentioned, and I mention it every now and then. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about when uh, NDRE did not get the Grammys when she went up against Alicia Keys that same? I want to believe it was the same year. It was the same year. Acoustic it's, Soul versus mm-hmm. versus Songs uh, in A Minor. Songs in A Minor. I, you know what? That was a perfect example of colorism in the industry. Oh, Nobody, oh. I talked about colorism on my podcast before, and I consider myself a dark-skinned black woman. Mm-hmm. And on that episode, I had my brown-skinned friend and my light-skinned cousin, and we were just <laughs> discussing our life experiences being black women of certain complexion. And both of India Ari as well as Alicia Keys, are super talented. And their albums were, like, kind of similar but different. India mm-hmm. was up, upbeat and, you know, talking about she is not the average girl from the video. And she came out the gate swinging. She did. With, like, hit after hit after hit. And I just don't think the industry was ready or knew what to do because India was not and racially ambiguous. And I'm not knocking anyone that is biracial or lighter complexion because you can't help what you are. But sometimes in the music industry, the lighter you are, the more preferred or the more crossover appeal you'll have. Because when you look at India Ari, you know that she is black. Her features, her hair texture, what she was talking and singing about. And Alicia Keys, I didn't think, I thought she was just light-skinned, but I didn't know her mother was white until years later. Mm-hmm. And I do think sometimes that can have an advantage to some people in certain genres of music being a certain complexion. They were both, not saying their talent didn't speak for themselves, but I don't think the industry was ready at that time. You know, now everybody wants to talk about brown skin girls, but mm-hmm. what about when India was singing brown skin? You or, know, you know self care, or about you know accepting who you are, whatnot. Both of them were talking about that, but we see what the Grammys, who who the powers that be, exactly are plotting, p- putting women against each other. So I saw it, the India versus Alicia, that was out of their control. It was, it was, you know. And I was gonna say I agree with you on that one. I think the machine that was behind Alicia. I think the way Grammys are done in a way, you know, I'm not, put it this way, Alicia's album deserved everything that it got. Mm -hmm. But I also don't think it hurt 
that she was with, you know, Clive and J, and J Records. And I also don't and I also don't think she was hurt by the fact that she was an easier sell for people who were very like, I want to see a, a black woman look a certain type of way. You know, NDRE, like you said, NDRE, she was very much of my music speaks for itself. I'm I'm really not trying to be anybody but myself. Right. And that that's just not that's just not something that was sellable at that time. It is now because you look mm-hmm. at all the music now, it's like, oh yeah, it's cool to have SZA, Normani, Kehlani, uh, you know, Ari Lennox, all these, you know, brown skinned black women. It's cool because that's what the the industry has flipped to. But at that time it was more so we need somebody that, you know, white fans are gonna see, identify with, not mm-hmm. shake their heads over. And I think, you know, and I but I also I think it was hard for India. When I hear her talk about that to this day, I'm like, man, that that had to be like a very hard thing to to lose all those categories. You won Grammy still later, but just to not win in any of them, oh my god! And she even talked about it. Um, Acoustic Soul turned 20 this year as well. Yes, I saw. I saw that. Um, she had a live stream that you had to buy a ticket for. I had to listen to it because I wanted to know, you know <laughs> that album was everything to me too. And she was just saying how, even I think about Wale or Ari oh, Lennox. A lot of people get in their feelings about, you know, the industry don't see me. They don't recognize me. I done put out all this music, this wonderful work. And instead of getting like bitter, she got better. Mm. and it's a hard pill to swallow because you're a human and artists are sensitive about their stuff and that's true word to, er- word just, to erica <laughs> words erica words erica but i just feel like that that truly showed our character because this was before twitter or whatnot when people could just get on the internet and talk about i'm not going to the grammys anymore because they didn't pick me and then she ended up winning mm like most categories the next year. Even with Kendrick Lamar in the Good Kid Mass City album, when Macklemore won, he didn't deserve that in my opinion, but he won that board and Kendrick didn't pout to me. He just got better and he won the next year. You know, you made a lot of good points that I, I want to talk about too. Um, mm-hmm. The thing I, res- like you said, the thing I respected about uh, India is, you know, India did just, continue to make good music she didn't openly complain about it she did mm-hmm. go on oprah and say that she went through a depression over yeah. it though but i think she was able i think the fact that she didn't get in magazines talking about it and just kind of didn't do it that way like you said i think that's a testament to her character i'm not even saying she would have had mm-hmm. she had social media but the fact that she didn't is a testament to her character um and i think what was the last point you said um, before I started talking, you were talking about um... Kendrick and oh Kendrick, and yeah. So, so you know, here's the thing. I my thing with it, I think, you know, what I tell people because there were some issues this year. People felt like uh, there's a certain rapper that should have got nominated for a Grammy. He had a really good year. He had the bigger picture song last year, Little Baby. Mm-hmm. And the thing I tell people is, you know, Grammys, you vote. You know, you have to appeal to the academy or i'm not sure what you call it the committee to, mm-hmm. to get your thing and you know it goes with who has the machine behind them but i think the other thing is you have to realize the grammys are usually a year behind you know macklemore his album was everywhere that does not mean it was better than good kid mad city but it was everywhere it was a crossover 
success. It was such a easy story to sell. Like mm-hmm. indie, you know, indie group got you know Interscope behind it, so it just was an easy sell. But I, I also to this day I feel like Macklemore has gotten so much grief over it because he publicized the text. Yes, that was that was foolish. That was where yeah. I couldn't. I lost respect a little bit, but. I think Macklemore knew artistically Kendrick's album was better, but I mean, if I'm going to get a Grammy, if I'm as a writer, if someone gave me a Pulitzer, I'm not going to be like, all right, I, I, don't should, I don't deserve this Pulitzer, get it back. I'm going to be like, hey, this person had the better project, but I'm thankful to get the project, you know? Right. And I think there has to be a balance and an education of how a Grammy is nominated. Like, I really did Google this one day. (laughs) This is how my mind works. I was like, who is picking the songs in these categories for these award shows? Because what they're considering R&B, I don't. What they're considering (laughs) pop, I don't. Who they're considering is trash sometimes, not all the time. Sometimes they get it right. Sometimes they don't. But I'm like, okay, I don't even think Tupac won a Grammy. He didn't. And Nas just won one now. (laughs) One year, Mariah Carey was snubbed. And this was like when she was in the 90s, like her peak. One year, she was snubbed. And, you know, I think that had to do a lot with who her ex-husband was. Oh, of course. He owned the record label. Yeah, of course. But the, the people, the powers that be, are usually out of touch with the reality that's going on. So if you have someone that's 70, 80 years old, (laughs) judging songs from 20 and 30 and 40 year old minority groups, um, it ain't going to be the, (laughs) the people you think. It's not because that's why Beyonce, you know, and mm -hmm. that's why Adele saying what she said meant what it meant because even though I could take issue with it, Mm -hmm. it makes sense. You know, Adele knew like, Hey, hold up. I, my project was great, but there's no way it's better than Beyonce's. But that's why I think you need people that are more in touch age-wise and culturally. I, I just will go here. I think people, I don't think everybody should be able to judge urban slash black music. That's just oh, my, my God. That's a whole nother topic. <laughs> and I, I know we started yeah. talking about Alicia, so I'm yeah, trying not to go too far, but I'm just saying. It, it kind of comes into play because what is considered black music, you know, we see a lot of white artists have more trap R&B songs mm-hmm. their songs now. And it's kind of mm-hmm. like, you're kind of blurring the lines. But if a black artist says, I want to do a country song one day, or I want to do a pop song one day, it's kind of like, like Lil Nas X, Old Town mm-hmm. Road, or Beyonce Daddy Lessons. Those were country songs, yep. but because they are black, they didn't want to. They didn't want to put them in the country category. Mm-hmm. But let Bieber or Timberlake or somebody Ooh. do a more R and B track. It's gonna be like J Cole said. It's gonna be. It's gonna be crossover appeal. And I like all those artists that I mentioned. I like their music. But when it comes to trying to put black women or black men in a category for music, that gets tricky. I agree. I agree. And I think, I think, you know, we could safely say this, you know, Songs in A Minor was an R&B album. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a pop album. It may have had some songs that were popular, but it was an R&B album. The Diary of Leash Key was was an R&B album. And I'm not going to say her other stuff wasn't R&B, but those are the truest representations of her, mm-hmm. I, w- I would argue, you know. And 
I think the one thing I realize now is we're starting to get into, we're in our 30s now. I think we just see, you know what? The music of our time was really special. And the music in this time is special to this current generation. But you just got to cherish the music that you grew up to and make sure that, you know, people understand what it represented and pass it down to the next generation. Right. And I I don't want to sound like the get off my lawn back in my day. (laughs) I really don't. But I do think there is a distinction between 2000s R&B in 2020 aughts, whatever they want to call this decade. Oh, it is. It is. And even even rappers are starting to kind of blur the line of what is R&B and what is rap. Somebody said Chris Brown was a rapper. I said, what? Yeah, he is. Or they they said that uh, Roddy Rich, (laughs) uh, he was playing the piano on one of his songs. And I don't think people knew what to do because we don't really see rappers like dance or play an instrument. So they that, they lost their minds when they saw that because they were like, well, if you don't have 1,800 people on stage and a bunch of girls twerking, are you really a rapper, you know? Mm. You so, know, and I, I think that's what makes it funny because I still look back at in our time mm-hmm. how, how experimental it was with B.O.B. and Gym Class Heroes was doing when they yeah. were playing guitar. And, and I was like, to see that as a constant now, like the biggest... You know, the baby's rock star song was a guitar. That was the biggest song of the year. And everybody was like, he switched his style up so dramatically with that. You know, we're in that time. So the lines are blurred. But I just appreciate the, the things I listened to from 12 to 18. And, and 18 and up to. But I appreciate that time period. Yeah, we'll have to discuss some more albums. But this has been a great conversation about Alicia Keys' songs in a minor. I'm going to... Go back and listen to some tracks as a 30-year-old now and see how I feel. <laughs> me too, me too. I'm going to go ahead and listen to it. Uh, probably, like I said, my, during my ride to work, that's when I have to get my concert time in. <laughs> but I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you taking time out your schedule to speak with me. Um, is there anything we should be telling people to look out for you? Just tell them, or I can say it now, just continue to follow me on Instagram at asiamber. And... Yeah, I have some things coming up, but just be on, you know, just be on the lookout and I'm giving some travel tips. I'm giving some music tips and music playlists that I'm curating. So check them out. All right. All right. Make sure you guys follow Amber on all social media handles. Make sure you like, comment, share, review her pod, all those things. Make sure that you follow this uh, podcast as well. Adapt A.D.A.P.T. And we look forward to you guys' thoughts on this. Tell us what your favorite tracks are of songs in A minor. And if you haven't heard it, please do listen to it. Yeah. Talk to you later. Talk to you guys. Bye. Bye.